0: The Adam and Eve story, chapter two, The Great Floods. Noah, Adam and Eve, Vishnu, Osiris. What do they all have in common? They represent eras, ages apart, and yet somehow they all join hands in the next cataclysm and walk with us. There are others who walk with us too. Men of science, long forgotten those who first saw that these tumbles, these cataclysmic catastrophes or revolutions of the earth shell have happened before countless times. J. André de Luc, in 1779 and Georges Cuvier in 1812 were the foremost. Dolomieu, the famous mineralogist, joined the consensus as did Escher and Forel, the Swiss geologists. Also J. Andre de Lope Jr., and von Busch. They all agreed that the cataclysms were caused by sudden revolutions of the Earth's surface. Cuvier, in his Theory of Earth, first published in 1812, based his conclusions on unparalleled correlative research in stratigraphy, comparative anatomy, and paleontology. At that time, he wrote, every part of the Earth every hemisphere, every continent, exhibits the same phenomenon. There has, therefore, been a succession of variations in the economy of organic nature. The various catastrophes which have disturbed the strata have given rise to numerous shiftings of this continental basin. It is of much importance to mark that these repeated eruptions and retreats of the sea have neither been slow nor gradual. On the contrary, most of the catastrophes which occasion them have been sudden, and this is especially easy to prove with regard to the last of these catastrophes. I agree, therefore, with M.M., Deluc and D'Alemieux in thinking that if anything in geology is to be established, it is that the surface of our globe has undergone a great and sudden revolution, the date of which cannot be much earlier than five or 6,000 years ago. One preceding revolution, at least, had put the continents under water, perhaps two or three eruptions of the sea. These alternations now appear to me to form the problem in geology that it is of most importance to solve. In order to solve it satisfactorily, it would be necessary to discover the cause of these events. These ideas have haunted, I may almost say, have tormented me during my researches among fossil bones. Researches which embrace but a very small part of these phenomena of the age preceding the last general revolution of the globe, and which are intimately connected with all others. Many attempts have been made to answer the charge made to the, sudden geologic, made to the geological profession by Cuvier to explain these sudden revolutions. Among others, Velikovsky tried it through his study of myths and legend. Hapgood tried it, Brown attempted, and in the process amassed a tremendous library of geological data. Every time the cataclysmic concept has come to life, The beast has been stoned, burned at the stake, beaten to a pulp, and buried with a vengeance, but the corpse simply won't stay dead. Each time it raises the lid of its coffin and says in sepulchral tones, you will die before I. The latest of the challengers is Professor Frank C. Hibben, who in his book, The Lost American Said, This was no ordinary extinction of a vague geological period which fizzled to an uncertain end. This death was catastrophic and all-inclusive. What happened and what caused the death of 40 million animals, the corpus delicti in this mystery, may be found almost anywhere. Their bones lie bleaching in the sands of Florida and in the gravels of New Jersey. They weather out of the dry terraces of Texas and protrude from the sticky ooze of the tar pits of Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. The bodies of the victims are everywhere. We find literally thousands together, young and old, fall with dame, calf and cow. The mug pits of Alaska are filled with evidence of universal death, a picture of quick extinction. Any argument as to the cause must apply to North America, Siberia, and Europe as well. Mammoth and bison were torn and twisted as through a cosmic hand in a godly rage. In many places, the Alaskan muck bucket is packed with animal bones and debris in train load lots. Mammoth, mastodon, bison, horses, wolves, bears, and lions. A fauna population in the middle of some cataclysmic catastrophe was suddenly frozen in a grim charade. Fantastic winds, volcanic burning, inundation and burial in muck, preservation by deep freeze. Any good solution to consuming mystery must answer all of the facts challenges hidden. The challenge wouldn't leave me alone. Like a hunger, it gnawed at my subconscious. I could hear the deep tones of Cuvier's challenge, find the cause of these events, still reverberating through the sacred halls of science, ghostly unanswered. I felt Hibben's challenge later on prodding, answer all of the facts. I decided that this cataclysmic concept This catastrophic end, which seems to visit our planet time after time, needed verification or refutation once and for all. The first step was to gather all of the known, accepted data from as many Earth sciences as possible. Stratigraphy, archaeology, anthropology, paleontology, radiology, oceanography, seismology, glaciology, and many other fields. Correlation of the data between the sciences gave the answer. Although there is enough data in each science to indicate that these cataclysms happen, there was not enough to prove the concept. But between science correlation showed indeed that the concept was true. Not only did it verify that the events have happened, but disclosed when the last five cataclysms were and what position the shell of the earth has been in for the last 35,000 years. So after years of research, beginning in 1949, Cuvier's challenge had an answer, yes, indeed the cataclysms do happen, and the last one, 6,500 years ago, was Noah's flood. All right, so they happen. What is it that happens each time? The challenge was really twofold. Find the process. What happens in a cataclysm and the trigger? And what causes a cataclysm to start? What a chase! And what a dramatic story of the her- Earth's history we have uncovered. Civilizations of 20,000 years ago, more advanced than our wildest imagination. Prehistoric legends from Greece, Egypt, India, and South America which became history instead of legend. Lost continents in the Atlantic and Pacific which became dated realities with logical reasons for their sudden disappearance. Yes, Vishnu came alive. A man who lived through a cataclysm 70,000 years before our time. Actually, 10 cataclysms ago. Now he is known as the Hindu god of ten resurrections from the waters. Osiris too was, a, was rediscovered. He was the Jesus of his time, a man of Egypt some 15,000 years ago. Noah smiled at us from the pages of the Epic of Gilgamesh. He actually was a Sumerian named Utnapishtim who lived 6,500 years ago. The arc he built is more than legend. The process of a cataclysm is known now. Look at the cross section of the earth inside the front cover. You'll see two molten layers, the orange ones. The important one is the thin molten layer about 60 miles thick, which is between 60 and 120 miles down below the earth's surface. The thick, deep, molten layer starting at 1,800 miles down at the bottom of the mantle and extending 1,300 miles deeper is the outer core. Now both molten layers are liquid, however, the inner magnetic and electrical structure of the earth makes these layers act as if they were near solid or plastic. As long as the magnetic and electrical structure maintains its orderliness, this old Earth keeps on rotating on its axis in a normal manner. The growing ice caps, Antarctica and Greenland, are not centered on the Earth's axis, and because they rotate around the poles, are trying to swing down to the equator. The only way they could do it would be to pull the whole 60-mile-thick shell around with them As long as the shallow molten layer stays plastic, the shell won't shift. But once every few thousand years, the magnetic and electrical orderliness inside the Earth is disrupted, and the molten layer is allowed to act like a free liquid, which it was all the time anyway. It then serves as a lubricant for the ice caps to pull the shell of the Earth around inside. In a quarter to a half a day, the poles move almost to the equator and all hell lets loose. The atmosphere and oceans don't shift with the shell. They just keep on rotating west to east. And at the equator, that speed is 1,000 miles per hour. It has to be, normally, to make one rotation per day. So while the shell shifts with the poles going towards the equator, The winds and oceans go eastward, blowing across the face of the earth with supersonic speeds, inundating continents with water miles deep. Now what about the trigger? This turned out to be the most elusive piece of the whole puzzle. We couldn't rely on some supernatural explanation, like sometimes happenings in the heavens of a vague character which actually violated the laws of nature. No. It had to be something natural, a part of nature's ordinary structure, which disrupts the Earth's inner electrical and magnetic structure whenever it happens. We once thought that sunspots could be the cause because they do disrupt the Earth's inner electrical and magnetic structure, but we were wrong. We found out that nature's power plant is a motor generator system existing in many different magnitudes. It's basic structure of the universe. The energy structure of an atom is identical to a rotating planet, to a blue white star, to a galaxy, to a super galaxy, to all levels of super galaxies, including a universe and even more. As a neutron, which has escaped from its parent atom, neutral zone, will, gi- will separate into particles. A star, through a sunspot, gives off neutral matter, which explodes as it becomes energized. So a galaxy gives birth to an exploding star when a dead star escapes from its neutral zone in the center. And as dead galaxy explodes, when it escapes from the central neutral zone of its parent galaxy. A planet, therefore, must act the same at its energy level. So apparently, once every few thousand years, neutral matter escapes from the 860 mile radius in a core into the 1,300 mile thick molten outer core, and there is a literal atomic explosion inside the Earth. The explosion in the higher energy layer of the outer core disrupts completely the electrical and magnetic structure in both the molten outer core and the outer 60 mile thick molten layer. Finally, the ice caps are allowed to polish the shell of the earth around the interior with the shallow molten layer lubricating the shift all the way. You can see then, that ice ages are not a matter of advancing and retreating ice. It's simply that different areas of the earth are in polar regions at different times for different durations of time, with the changes between positions taking place in a fraction of a day. The story of the world gives us silent testimony. The Bereskova mammoth frozen in mud with buttercups in his mouth. The age of the gorges below Niagara Falls and St. Anthony's Falls, both about 6,500 years. The sudden end of the Laurentian Basin ice cap in Canada, about 11,500 years ago. The uninterrupted years of evolution on the Galapagos, over 11,000. The geological datings in the Murrumbidgee, river basin system in Australia showing the end of an ice cap there about 11,500 years ago. The age of fossil bones taken from the Wilshire Boulevard tar pits, over 11,000. The sudden end of all the work in in the prehistoric city of Tiwanaku, Peru, 9,550 BC or 11,000 years ago. Leonard Woolley's great work in the Holy Land, dating Noah's flood, at about 6,000 years ago. The end of the Wisconsin ice cap, about 29,000 years ago. The sudden 200-foot rise of the oceans all over the world, 6,000 to 7,000 years ago. The sudden rise of the St. Lawrence Riverbed, 6,500 years ago. The changing levels of the shoreline in Hudson Bay, The granite blocks from the Alps sitting on the eastern slopes of the Jura Mountains at 4,000 feet above sea level. The great legendarian Fraser's uncovering of over 8,000 separate inundation survival legends in the Malay Peninsula region. The Pejar Marsh in Australia, which shows a quick extinction of a civilization 11,000 years ago, the Piri race map showing the North Pole in the Sudan Basin, the Egyptian water clock showing agreement with the Piri Reis map, granite on top of the mountains around Death Valley in California, the great stratifications of the Grand Canyon-painted desert and Badlands, each layer homogeneous, showing it to be deposited there suddenly by fantastic amounts of water, the computable age of the Arctic and Greenland ice caps about 6,500 years ago. The present growth of the Antarctic ice cap about 293 cubic miles per year. The legends from primitive man in Tierra del Fuego at the southern tip of South America of the day the sun set in the wrong direction. The legends from primitive man in Peru of the day the sun stood still the legends from Malayan and Sumatran aborigines of the long night. The Varvar earth strata counts in Renshaw, Minnesota, and Hackensack, New Jersey, which agree. The prevalence of jade in the Orient, which is material heaved up from the mantle near equatorial pivot points during a tumble. The fantastic evidence of a burgeoning tropical population in in Arctic, Siberia, and Alaska, completely wiped out in a fraction of a day. The similarity of languages the world over, from Polynesian to Greek to Egyptian to Mayan to Eskimo to Yakut to Oriental and more. The correlation of ice ages and quick extinctions the world over. The survival of primitive life at equatorial pivot points, the last two being the Malay Peninsula, and the Galapagos now rife with lizards, the existence of a coral reef on the floor of the Arctic Ocean, and more, and more, and more, and more, gives us a historical picture of the Earth's shell during the past 35,000 years. Yes, Noah, Adam, and Eve, Osiris, Taro, Zeus, and Vishnu, have much deeper meanings now. And as they join hands and walk with us, we hear Adam and Eve saying, listen, for now we can truly share our story with you.